Hello and welcome to the first Loved and Lost podcast, a project that invites people to explore their personal stories of loss. Each person is invited to find a family photograph of themselves with someone who's passed away. We then return to the location of that photograph together to restage the photograph and afterwards we find somewhere to sit down and talk. Everyone's story of loss is unique. There's no right or wrong way to deal with it. But the thing that's helped me the most is to talk about it. Thank you for tuning in to the first of series one of the Loved and Lost podcast. My name is Simon Bray, creator of Loved and Lost, a project I started after I lost my dad to prostate cancer. I wanted to find a way to talk about my loss and in the process encourage others to talk about their grief and give them a chance to celebrate the people that they've lost. Each show will feature one person telling their story and sharing what it was like to take part in the project. It's never easy to hear people talk about loss, but my hope is that listening to the stories of others will go some way in breaking down the social taboo of discussing our grief. Loss can be emotionally draining and confusing. It can often feel like there's no best way to process everything. But I hope that hearing how others have navigated that path will offer you strength in the midst of wherever you are on that journey. Today's podcast features Emma, who I met outside the Royal Shakespeare Company in Stratford-upon-Avon to restage a photograph that was taken with her wife Claire three weeks into their relationship. Emma shares stories from their joy-filled time together and how Claire faced cancer with an amazing strength and positivity, carefully considering what life would be like for Emma after she'd passed away. Emma also discusses how writing to Claire has helped her feel connected to her and aided her understanding of her grief. I'll be back at the end to let you know how to find out more about Emma's story and how you could participate in the project. But for now, I'll leave Emma to introduce herself and tell you about the photograph that we restaged for the project. So my name's Emma. The original photograph was taken in the half term of 2012, so the start of June. Um, and Claire and I had been together for about three weeks and um, we came here because we're both teachers we came here in half term and we brought a colleague here who um, was Canadian and never from Stratford before and was very excited to come here um, and we yeah we were having coffee outside the theatre and our friend took a photo of us and um, from Claire must have just said something funny or cheeky I imagine um, because I'm kind of sort of grinning a bit in the photo um, and there's quite a few photos of us like that that people have taken um, yeah and I suppose I chose that one because it was really early days but I think she'd already said she'd already said something in passing about when we get married um, because as I said to her earlier she knew what she wanted in life um, so I think you can tell from the photo that we kind of knew it wasn't casual um, yeah, and I guess Stratford it was nice because she also happened to meet my mum that day. I told my mum she was just a friend, but um, um, and actually my mum knew she wasn't a friend, and I knew my mum knew she wasn't a friend because my mum uh, put the biscuits out on a plate instead of um, just showing, giving them in a pack, which is what she would do for anyone else. But the fact that she did proper cups of tea and put the chocolate digesters on a plate, I was like, oh, mum, you've rumbled me. Um, so yeah, and I said the other reason the. F- it's not necessarily I think it's in one of the photos is um, 
in one of the photos I'm wearing a jumper with robots on that's Claire's jumper and she put these photos on Facebook and her mum and her sister immediately messaged her saying who is that woman you never let anyone borrow that jumper is that your new girlfriend so they kind of and they said we knew it was serious when she let you borrow that jumper <laughs> so I guess that's why I chose it because it sort of ties quite a lot of things up together it definitely holds more significance than I think it would have because in a way that lots of places that we went to together now are much more significant and revisiting some of those places is is, is much nicer than I would have assumed it is um, and revisiting some places is kind of is harder um, and it kind of I remember so I um, at A level taught the Thomas Thomas Hardy's poetry and obviously he's more known as a novelist but he wrote a collection of poems called the 1912 to 1913 poems where for the year after his wife died he travelled back to every place they'd been to together and they are these poems are completely heartbreaking some of them are him thinking that he sees her some of them are just him kind of desolate some of them are him recalling happier times um, and I would have assumed that that would be something I would do and I haven't but I've definitely have either ended up going or have chosen to go back to places that we went to together um, and so they do become much more significant um, so I said like the park that we got married in in Bath is where we've scattered some of Claire's ashes um, she was scattered via a fireworks display which is what she had chosen um, I researched crazy options for her and I said you can either have a fireworks display or you can be blasted into space because when she was younger she wanted to be an astronaut and uh, she said, well, if you blast me into space, no one can see it. But if you do the fireworks display, everyone will have something fun to look at. So, um, so I guess what I think I'm trying to do is, yes, some places are more significant and kind of find ways to incorporate them into remembering her, if that makes sense. So, yeah, and it's, it, was, it was really nice to come back, actually. I write to her every night and I've written to her pretty much every night since three days after she died. And I've skipped a few nights where I've been staying at a friend's house or or whatever. But I'd say maybe other than five nights, I've run to every night. I find writing to every night really good. It makes me feel more connected to her. I think about that question a lot. Why am I doing this? And also, I think the purpose has shifted over time. So at the start, it was partly... The first thing I ever wrote was... I'm really kind of... Blunt, the first thing I ever wrote is, you died three days ago. And I think that was the point where I still... I was having always to say it out loud, to tell myself that it was true. And those moments are far less often than they used to be. I still have moments now where I have to say in my head, Claire's dead, and kind of do a bit of kind of reeling from it all over again. So I think at the beginning, it was a way of forcing myself to... Process, no, process isn't quite the right word, but just kind of putting something on paper to remind myself... Um, and we were also, we just talked loads and we would, you know, if we'd spent a day and we'd hardly seen each other, then we wouldn't be able to fall asleep because we'd be talking. Um, so the act of kind of telling her things before I go to, it's always just before I go to sleep at night, is kind of, I suppose, replicating that part of our relationship. And I think at the, at the start it was, I had nowhere for those things to go and also I was going through the hardest thing I'd ever have to go through and the person I most wanted to talk about to about it wasn't there so it was kind of where, well I'll just talk to you about it even though you're not here so I, I suppose it's because she was my go-to person and I think now it's sometimes it's a way of remembering things something will have happened in the day that reminds me of something and a memory and I'll kind of I'll note it down 
And recently I wrote to her and I said, I'm not sure why I'm telling you everything because either I believe that you're with me all the time, which I'm not sure I do, but I don't believe in an afterlife. But if she is with me all the time, she knows anyway, so why am I writing it? So I don't know anymore, but I just find it really comforting. I think it's a good thing to do. It's hard because where do you... I don't know where to start, really, because she was everything, I suppose. Um, I suppose, really, she... I remember at her funeral saying that she was... She was like the advent of colour television. Because it, it... You know, the I'd had a perfectly fine life up to then, but she was kind of the switching on of kind of technicolour and the realisation that I don't know that life was joyful I suppose and she was just adventurous and enthusiastic and genuine and authentic and earnest and cheeky and mischievous and loving and kind and could speak all these languages and could fly a plane and she was just an amazing person she was the kind of person that people are like really? Uh, yeah and sometimes me, me and Claire's sister sometimes say, people probably think we have a really wasted view of Claire. And actually, and I'm sure we do, but actually she really was that amazing. So she just kind of, I don't know, we just kind of created a life together that that was perfect is too neat a way of describing it. But I think we... I don't know, I think... I just think we... She said we were made for each other. And not long before she died, she said, I never... I always say I don't believe in soulmates, but I do think you're my soulmate. And I think that belief that you find someone who absolutely understands it... I think it's being wholly known by someone is actually what love is about, is the desire to be wholly known. And I think she did that in just a really generous way. And, yeah, she was just... Yeah, she was amazing. I think Strong has too many potential interpretations she was she was just incredible she was strong-willed and purposeful and considered about everything and I think she also I think yes yeah, she was very she was very driven in her career and knowing exactly what she wanted and she achieved the things she set out to achieve uh obviously before you know cancer got in the way and her kind of yeah her kind of pursuit of me was very just kind of masterfully done really and and I think I suppose in terms of how she handled being ill I think for a long time she I mean she wasn't ill for that long but for the majority of the time that she was ill I think she took the focus that she would have had towards her career to trying to get better and you know with cancer you actually can't control it and if either the treatment works or it doesn't and so I think she spent a lot of that time thinking well what are the things I can control um, and it wasn't just about things like trying to stay physically fit and because she'd been very fit and active it wasn't just about that but it was also about um, kind of being connected to people so she, she I think she probably it was partly wanting to use the time when she was ill to be connected to people and to have meaningful conversations can create really positive memories and then once she knew she was dying that quickly became a real focus on on things she wanted to do to equip us for the future and she died much quicker than we thought she was going to and there were things she was going to do so she she wanted to kind of record a bit of harry potter 
that then I could listen to and her brother and sister could listen to because we're all massive Harry Potter fans. But stuff like um, the Harry Potter play was published at the end of July and we had a Harry Potter party and just stupid stuff like that that she was just really focused on um, creating things that now we can all look back on and think she did that for us. So um, her dad got remarried a month before she died um, and she made a a really lovely speech um and there's a really nice photo of them at the wedding together and and kind of I think she was really purposeful about knowing that we would need to hold on to things um so she was quite almost strategic about how she spent her time as a result even though she was really tired a lot of the time I suppose one of the things I was thinking about on the way here was one things that I have been that I feel like there's different there's there's like different elements to grieving for someone especially when they've died at an age that Claire died at. And one of the things is kind of, I'm still grieving the life she hasn't gone on to have. And I think about that a lot and about, I think one of the reasons I'm functioning better than I would have thought is that I'm, I'm conscious of having a life and that I am alive and therefore I should try and honour her by having a, a kind of good and purposeful life. Um, and I think doing things like this is a way of trying to take her with me into that life I think that's really important trying to trying to make her part of the future because we thought we'd have our future together um, but that's something I think about quite a lot I think we talked a bit earlier about I want to help other people who are going through a similar situation because I think care some of it is caring for but the term carer I always was a bit like mm, I'm her wife not her carer um, but just the process of being very close to someone as they die is something that I want people to feel that they can talk. I, I feel like it's quite a difficult thing to talk about and people don't necessarily want to talk about it. And some people go through it and never want to revisit, which I totally understand. But I feel fine revisiting it because I learned so much and to have learned all that. And as a, as a teacher, I can't learn lots and not give it to anyone else. It just doesn't feel right. And I think Claire would really respect that she would think that's a really good thing to do but I think the other thing is that it's made me less I think I used to be quite kind of I, I don't care as much what people think about me because ultimately we're all going to die so I'll just live my life how I think is the right way to live it I worry less about that kind of thing um, so I'm a lot more relaxed about things I think I'm a lot less um, uh, I don't kind of I don't obsess about work in the way that I used to. I realise that, you know, ultimately there's other things that are important in life as well. And I think also I, 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 one of the most significant things that's come out of this is that um, my family and friends have been amazing and Claire's family have been amazing and I'm still really close to them. So making time to see them still. And I've got amazing friends who I knew were great people, but now I know that some of them are truly amazing. And so actually... Look, if I am lucky enough to live a, a long life I'd like people to look back and think she was a really good friend and that's much more important to me I always wanted that but now that's much more the centre of what I want to do rather than just be kind of career obsessed which I probably was before so it's definitely changed me in that way Thank you so much to Emma for sharing her story her positivity and energy amidst sharing her loss was so encouraging and it was a treat to spend the day together by the river in Stratford. You can see the photographs and read her story on the project website at lovedandlostproject.co.uk 
which also features all the other stories from the project. I would love to hear your thoughts on Emma's story and please get in touch to share your own story, how you've navigated this difficult journey of loss. You can get in touch on Facebook at Loved and Lost Project, Twitter at Loved and Lost Pro or through the project website lovedandlostproject.co.uk. You'll also find information there about how you can take part in the project by restaging your own photographs. Everything you need to know is on the participate page. Thank you again for taking the time to listen and please feel free to share the podcast with friends, family and anyone you think might benefit from hearing it. I'll be back next time with another story from the Loved and Lost Project. Until then, take good care of yourself. Thanks so much to Beck for sharing her story. It was such a privilege to meet her and spend the day in Scarborough together. You can see the photographs and read her story on the project website at lovedandlostproject.co.uk, which also features all the other stories from the project. I would love to hear your thoughts on Beck's story, and please do get in touch to share your own story, how you've navigated your own difficult journey of loss. You can get in touch on Facebook at Loved and Lost Project, Twitter at Loved and Lost Pro or through the project website at lovedandlostproject.co.uk. You'll also find information there about how you can take part in the project by restaging your own photographs. Everything you need to know is on the participate page. Thank you again for taking the time to listen and please feel free to share the podcast with friends, family and anyone you think might benefit from hearing it. I'll be back next time with another story from the Loved and Lost Project. Until then, take good care of yourself.